0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today.
1: So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm.
2: Miss them or I've been conditioned to miss them. So like, Yeah,
1: yeah this was oh. intentional. I want the conversation about commercials.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, there is like an element of culture that feels and and this is very capitalist and very fatalist right but like you feel connected to the world when you're watching commercials in a way that you kind of don't and i'm fucking
1: sickened by it
0: <laughs> yeah no it sucks right yeah it's 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 objectively better not to but um i yeah we were watching thief michael man's
2: thief and wow. um oh cody are you hey, back connected Man, oh. that's a shame because we, 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 Jason had the, the the foresight to start recording and then all of a yeah. sudden the connection was
1: lost. Well, we kept going because, uh, yeah, I thought that you just like saw the recording start and decided to stop talking. So I was like, no, I no. want this conversation. <laughs> and then your face is just frozen there. And I'm like, oh no, he's gone. Yeah, I saw it? YouTube freeze he's and frozen. I was like, oh, no.
0: So it was, a, it was a free service I used to watch Thief with my dad and. Um, because it was free, we had to do commercials and they put so many motherfucking commercials in this. And like, it didn't, first of all, like the first time we had commercials was right after the, um, the silent or the, the dialogue free cold open, which Mm -hmm. is just like the thief sequence. It's like this operatic, like fucking masterpiece sequence in the, uh, right at the beginning of this movie. And like, uh, James Kahn's car just like drives into the night in that that amazing shot of like the dark neon lit streets and then we cut right to like a fucking uh, like buffalo chicken at DiGiorno yeah. or whatever fucking commercial and it it made me want to
2: die
1: uh really really strongly <laughs> fast fast more like slow um, that's true. right that's that's the could, joke it
2: couldn't have been DiGiorno by the way because it's not delivery it's DiGiorno
1: oh my right? god Uh, The only time that
2: was the thing is that the in
0: the in the commercial the father character um, was showing off about his pizza baking skills, and then there was a DiGiorno employee that had somehow been invited to the um, the dinner, and they were sort of like being very bemused by it, like, "Oh yeah, you did a really good job with this pizza because we knew what what it really was is DiGiorno,
1: DiGiorno employee." Yeah, this is like, their ad
2: space, by the way. Yeah. Like, this
1: they were
0: like in the room. Is the DiGiorno employee in the room with us right now? It was that sort of thing where like is, the dad was there and I mean, there was also just a straight up person wearing an apron
1: and, you know, I mean, are, are DiGiorno pizzas assembled by, by individual like does, isn't the whole concept Notful. that they're not put together on like a single, like they are assembly line pizzas, like they're just made to like frozen. That's what I. Why would yeah, there I be yeah. a single like? It have to be like an operations manager. Are covered in oil and shit. Okay, yeah. artisanal bespoke. It's bespoke, <laughs> bespoke, It's not bespoke. It's DiGiorno. Uh <laughs> And this is Trilove. I thank you for listening to it. It's a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw, or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can follow uh, the Trilon at Trilon Cinema. And at Trilon.org, get tickets and other cool merch and ways to support the Trilon at that website. Um, I'm Jason. I have uh, been around 29 years and I need a break. And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus.
2: I'm Cody Narvison. And no, you're not hallucinating. You do indeed see a talking penis. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I feel like
0: Cody maybe jumped the line just to sort of set me up as the talking penis.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This is the same order
0: that we've always done. I thought I thought always been been the penis, Harry. I have always been the penis. Uh, nobody gets off this podcast without singing the blues. I'm a talking penis and you can find me on Twitter at (laughs) shiitake Harry.
1: uh and this is uh, an episode I, I guess our with our we don't have quorum in the most literal sense um but we do have to go forward and talk about these movies anyway so i've put together short summaries uh just to recap this was an event at the trial on um i believe it's still going on as of this recording but it'll be gone by the time that we finish our uh, rather release um a, a babysitting adventures it's two uh, movies split between the 1980s and 1990s Um, that deal with, in varying capacities, uh, the concept of babysitting and sort of the comedy of errors that can follow. Uh, So this was a a fun series and all that. I'll give just a quick rundown of both movies because they're both kind of wild. Uh, And then we can just, like Cody and we're saying, we can just stir the pot. Just let it kind of thoughts ruminate. Um, uh, We probably shouldn't get too carried away because these are Definitely movies you can get carried away with. But um, the first was uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead is a 1991. And sorry, I'm not going to be able to look at you guys because it's on my big screen. I got to turn uh, 1991 teen comedy directed by Stephen Herrick, um, whom I should say off the bat, also director of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure just two years prior to this film. Uh, also director of The Three Musketeers, Mr. Holland's Opus, The Mighty Ducks, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul Represent, um, and a bunch of other uh, shit, including the First Critters. Uh that was not part of my summary, but I just had to pull that out. Um, directed by Stephen Herrick, in it, tired divorcee Mrs. Crandall, and that is her character's name, uh, is played by Concetta Tomei, or Conchetta, not related to Marissa Tomei. I apologize. There's a lot of rivulets in this uh, flowing river. This is going to be the entire summary. Episode. This is the entire <laughs> no, thing. No, I love it. Skip ahead 35 minutes, and you'll still find us talking about this. Uh, she leaves her children with the stern Mrs. Sturak, played by Ida Rice Marin, uh, while on vacation in Australia. The children's frustration with Mrs. Sturak is replaced with panic when the old crone dies on the job, leaving the Crandall kids to fend for themselves for the summer. And if you think you know what this movie is from that summary alone, just you wait, boys. Uh, With no money and no desire to involve the the authorities in the death, Sue Ellen, played by Christina Applegate, uh, loses a coin toss with her brother Kenny, played by Keith Kubigan, remember that name, uh, over who should get a job for the summer to be able to provide for them, uh, which triggers a comedy of errors that thrusts Swell, as her character is known, uh into one role in corporate america and another as the family's de facto mother figure. Uh that is the first film don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. This is kind of a mess already but uh in the spirit of not um letting Aaron uh haunt us too much, he already told us that he said that we do too much formalizing of his podcast so i just want to like put that to bed a little bit yeah We're he also said we talk more.
0: about the sort of meta commentary of the construction of the podcast too much he says he really hates it when
1: podcasts do that and he always seems to do it right when i'm about to get to my best point it really undercuts you know the flow of everything um 1987's adventures in babysitting uh is directed by chris columbus uh, It follows a much more traditional story in which uh, elizabeth shu as chris parker and keith coogan again as brad anderson Uh, They are uh, sort of thrown into another comedy of errors uh, on what is supposed to be a regular night of babysitting that instead becomes a road movie through inner city Chicago. Um, We'll talk more in depth about the whole deal of these movies, but uh, I guess let's talk about the the overall event, the whole thing. Like these are the most two point five and a likable movies I think I've maybe (laughs) ever seen back to back. Um, What what did you? Certainly at the Trilon,
0: I think. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Like it was very wild to watch. Like. Very conventional sort of – I don't know what the term in movie language is, but like these are kind of shovelware <laughs> movies to use gamers' parlance. A, a, but l- like, a
1: little bit. Here's here's the scary thing. The first movie, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, I Googled that to find out a little bit more, more about the Provenance. It's like a cult classic. People yeah. love and remember that movie, I, I mean, guess.
0: I think that makes – I think it makes a lot of sense as a cult classic because it's a fucking weird movie. It is. That it's it like is. a right. real mess and that doesn't – it like – becomes like several different movies and seems to be not knowing what it's going to be from scene to scene which is going to be pretty fun to talk about
1: yeah i think that is a really good place to probably talk is um you know what makes this movie so weird is that the like title event the babysitter dies in about the first five ten minutes of the movie after some really strange wild camera work and like really surprising fun stuff that happens yeah there's like
0: six different just Sam Raimi contra zooms in this thing. It's <laughs> it, wild.
1: It is it is crazy how like uh, uh experimental I can feel at times. Um but that inciting event uh then turns the movie completely in, into left field um you know territory. It becomes a completely different film. I guess originally it was called The Real World before that was a, an MTV series and that sort of explains why maybe some of the framing of this it, it really painted a picture to me of like how important packaging is to yes. a movie for me because like if you called uh i don't know there will be blood the oil baron's problems movie i would have like a significantly different or, uh, view of the that Up movie in sinclair
0: original story that it's based on which is just called oil <laughs> <laughs> with a nice exclamation i really Honestly, love that that'd be pretty What's sick that? that'd be pretty yeah.
1: good uh more more movie titles need uh exclamation points we've got mother um is that the only one is that the only movie Torah, Torah, Torah. that is Torah. Tora, Tora, exclamation Tora. points Yep.
2: Wow, that is three.
1: Uh, you've just beaten my point by three. Uh, but yeah, this this movie it, it it has so many different things that it ends up getting into, and it's just because it's set up as that concept of oh, the babysitter dies, and you sort of think you know where it's going because it's the late eighties. You think oh, it's uh you know the kids have run of the house. There are no logical restrictions on what they're allowed to do because what is mom going to do about it kind of thing. And then it's absolutely not that. It is yeah in 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 the the absolute trenches of uh getting a career of maintaining you know performing in a corporate setting of uh of of becoming your mom all this like really strange stuff that that makes up the movie but um the movie yeah.
0: forgets that there are characters in it like multiple times yeah. there's like a Christina Applegate boyfriend character who disappears for half the movie um in the very beginning like the first couple of scenes everyone we talked to and we went to this movie with quite a few people mentioned that They thought this was going to be like an ensemble comedy, like cheaper by the dozen. They set up like the the four children with these distinct personalities, these distinct arcs, these distinct sort of like uh, trials and tribulations that they're going to undergo as they enter, quote unquote, the real world. Um, Those are dropped almost entirely to focus on Christina Applegate's character and her career in the fashion industry for like the entire it. uh, Watching this movie felt like watching. A really long running TV series like The Walking Dead or something where, like, you arrive at season six and you're still semi on board, but then you like go back to season one and you're like, oh, that's what this show was about, hmm. right? Like, you've come such a long way that, like, you've completely lost the original plot and it has just become an entirely different animal. Where, like, I think Cody, you and I both mentioned, right, that, like, I straight up forgot there was a babysitter in this movie because, like, right. They cart her off to the crypt, the morgue, in this pretty funny scene, and then like it's gone. That's like not a thing anymore. Right. That
1: that is that is like the it's the inciting incident, but it is the breaking point for like what you thought the the plot of the movie was going to be. Uh, Cody, can you give us a little bit of your opinion on what happens from there?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I the sort of framing that I fall back on, and I I think I was telling you guys about this. I I tell anybody who will listen to me uh, about this framing where it's like, I, it's like a stretched out version of like a, a Simpsons episode, like classic. Totally. That's such Simpsons, a good way to put it where it's like, yeah, we spend the first like third or half of the episode going from like zigzagging from like points a through D until we get to beat E. And it's like, Oh, this is what the episode is. And like, mm-hmm. I guess not for nothing, not to, I mean, not to derail it too much, but also these movies derail themselves so much. So maybe it's appropriate of like, You know, I I sort of came in with that same understanding of like these movies. You know, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead is something of a a cult classic, a beloved cult classic for for folks. And Adventures in Babysitting is maybe a more like, not so much cult favorite, but like, you know, I loved this when I was a kid. And these movies seem to have maybe missed our collective, like cultural zeitgeist just barely, you know, late Mm -hmm. 80s, early 90s. Like we easily could have been people who were influenced by these movies. Instead, we're seeing them for the first time in the year 2022. Yeah, uh, we're also dudes. so we're like, also dudes.
0: Yeah, this, this feels like the kind of movie that was like maybe for future babysitters when it came out, right? Mm. Like like girls who had had babysitters who were maybe aspiring babysitters or would-be babysitters, older sisters, that sort of thing. Um, right. And, and I, you're right. Like it's important to to note that like we're pretty much just very much not the demographic,
2: <laughs> but – Right. Well, and so,
1: I mean, yeah. yeah. Go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say – And so like it is – like important that I mean, a few things to consider here is like this movie would be far or don't specifically don't tell mom the babysitter's dead would be, I don't want to say, well, per, perhaps a less fascinating movie to talk about or like a more straightforward movie to talk about if it was just like that, it, like, cause it, it essentially is a coming of age story. It's mm-hmm. like a, a movie that I, I seems to think that I, I do think anybody can probably watch and enjoy this movie. We enjoyed our time with both. Oh of yeah, movies, for sure. But, but they definitely have that sort of like, like this is built upon a younger person's framing of what like the real world, like Mm -hmm. looks like as far like what a person job looks like. And that's, you know, your fates being decided by the flip of, of a pizza box lid and like younger sibling dynamics. It is like, for lack of a better phrase, like more conventional after that. But I think it is important to consider (laughs) the people who like, who had that sort of that, that zany, that zany wild and crazy uh, inciting incident through which don't tell mom the babysitter's dead blossoms from there. And the fact that they saw that when they were children, like that hits in a, in a specific way that I will never be able to properly quantify because I saw this movie two days ago. For sure. So I, I
0: really liked something that you said about the fact that like, these are children's POV movies. That's kind of what works for me about both of these movies and kind of what doesn't. Um, I think both of these movies are really didactic in like kind of finger waggy ways that I don't really love. Like, both of these movies are like capital T about teaching children something, right? Um, I think that Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead is funnier and more successful, but I think I like Adventures in Babysitting more despite that. Um, maybe we can talk about that, but but that is a really good and like informative starting point for these movies, right? Is right. that like like a lot of children's movies, although I don't think you would technically call either, either of these children's movies, it's about showing kids something, right? Mm-hmm. And like I think that, that that still does show through in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's dead. There are, it's really funny actually. There are all of these scenes in act two and particularly act three where Christina Applegate and her younger brother, they are they are like mimicking, uh, traditional domestic conflicts that husbands and wives would have, um, if they were running a household together. Right. And, but like, it's, it's both gender swapped and they're obviously not really married. Right. Like Christina Applegate is talking about how she's a career woman and she like, doesn't have time. And, and he's like, oh, you never take me out anymore. And like, I made this nice dinner and you didn't come and you get the sense, or at least I did that. Like, this is very much like the first scene, that they wrote or like that was what they were aiming at. And those Mm -hmm. were the sort of tent poles they wanted to build the movie around. And it's so funny that like those still exist in this movie where like, I don't think they actually built that movie correctly. If that was what they were aiming for. That
1: that scene in particular feels like it came out of complete left field. I mean, like I I, I think you can make an argument that earlier on in the movie, there is like this sort of, and I I forget if I leaned over to you or to Cody while watching it, but like she's becoming a capitalist in real time because she gets a job ahead of like where she ahead of the station that she's trying to get she applies for a um, you know a receptionist job and ends up getting like executive uh, uh, personnel or whatever, basically assistant to the the top of the top uh, c-suite you know type people um, but in like as the movie goes on as we start like seeing those things seeing the different way like things that she does the different plot uh, points in the movie the different people that she comes into contact with I, guess, I think it's maybe like after the first or second day on the job she comes back. And she's already reprimanding her kid, her, her kids, quote unquote, her, her brothers and sisters, her three siblings Ooh, yeah, and the dog right. about like keeping the place clean and, uh, you know, doing their part and, you know, I'm at work all day kind of thing. And it's like, it was a very sudden, the assumption that these role, that this like disciplinary role just happens, you know, just like, just naturally occurs as a result of a nine to five workday, as a result of single income families, as a result of like X, Y, Z. I mean, by then, by the time that we get to the scene where she and Kenny are arguing about, um, it, you know, sort of that classically stereotypically gendered way of husband and wife, it's like, okay, this is not, this is just a culmination of that. You know, like we've, we've already, we've set the groundwork of there's one person earning the bread. There are kids who need cared for the kids need disciplined. Uh, and then even between those two things, you have, um, that scene, I forget the kid's name. One of the brothers, one of the, uh, one of her brothers kind I keep thinking about her and it's because by the time of that movie she's got such uh, a position of authority i keep thinking of her as the mom of the group because she's just thrust in that position well,
0: that's the joke I exactly. mean that's that, the that whole is movie the joke. joke and i, I yeah. guess it
1: did work on me but um one of her brothers has sort of trysts with a girl he's like a real ladies man and he's bummed out that she doesn't want to talk to him anymore and uh or, or i forget she's he's basically losing her right uh, they've broken up and uh, and christina applegate sue comes back from work one day and says and like consoles him like a mom would say like you know you're worth more than that you know you, you you should read this uh this piece in cosmopolitan yeah about about you know talking to women or, or you know treating them better or whatever and it's like this is sort of we we've built from step to step to step of the um like role that she's supposed to be becoming this like very again like uh hard or hard-working bread-winning mom character but it was such a quick such a rapid ascent to that level that then every joke that they play after that the that like builds on that concept just feels like, Oh, this is just, just more on the same plate. Like it's not a crowning piece. It's not like a development. It's just like, Oh, they right. have this, they have this husband and wife bickering moment. And, well, and again, and it goes like, nowhere
0: that's because of the like almost choose your own adventure style of the plotting in this movie. Right. We're like, we are sketching it out to sound like a relatively conventional coming of age story. And like it, it is in the end, right. It is when you look back on it, but like, as you're watching it, I can't remember the last time I watched a movie where I legitimately had absolutely no idea where it was going because scene to scene and moment to moment, it seems to be wanting to be a bunch of different movies at once where sometimes it kind of wants to be about all of the kids Sometimes it wants to be about just christina applegate's career really specifically there's like an, like another movie nested in this movie about like the internet nesting conflicts within the fashion industry that is actually kind of a good movie that I like um and it it's it's wild that it is just like in a b plus plot in this movie um I really liked what you had said about like. The other thing about this, like, there's almost an interesting subversive reading that that I wanted to come away with here, not to be too communist corner. But like, I really did like the idea that like, oh, like, when Christina Applegate starts to have responsibilities, when she has to like, do this grind, she becomes alienated from her family, and she becomes a grouch, right? And she has to like, live this lie, and she's broken down. and And so like, it would be really fun for this movie to be like, look at how terrible it is to like, be a family under capitalism. Right. I, th-
1: I, think it's, I think it's almost there. It doesn't, Because
0: what it's actually doing is it's saying that it's natural for you to arrive at that point right, because right. of having adult responsibilities and that like actually like when you reach this age and when you actually have responsibilities, you will understand why your mom is the way you, she is instead unless, of saying anything about like, it sucks that your mom is that way too.
1: Right, right. It. It, it, it never actually takes it that far unless unless we want to read the ending in which she's still 17 years old in which her whole ruse has been ex- exposed in which everybody knows what she was doing and things are more or less just fine unless we want to read that as like oh by the time that she is of you know she's gone through college she's sort of figured out what she wants to do maybe she's working again for uh not alice and jenny and forget the character's name but she looks a lot like alice and janley um that maybe she will have imbibed some of those lessons about what sort of things you need to do to get by in that world, and how you maybe can like structure and and build life. Like maybe this changes that need to happen to the corporate world, right? That's, if you want to end it very they, they terribly, watched Big,
2: they watched Big and wrote this movie. Like that—that that <laughs> yeah. is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which is not I mean, a bad thing. But but the thing is, they wrote this movie after watching Big, and then they titled it something that would give you a completely. And I I I don't mean right. to like wear this like a millstone every single second of this movie for me and maybe i was just way too focused on the fact that it wasn't about a babysitter at a certain point but every single thing thought that i had about this movie was in in relation to the framing in relation to the event right oh they're not going to go go karting through the house because they don't have uh, you know characters of authority they're not going to go on a shopping spree because mom left her wallet like that's not actually going to happen we're going to get a completely different plot based based off of something we had no idea was you know part of the movie from the beginning right right Uh, anyway
0: sorry go ahead cody no, no, go ahead. Oh, it's like novelistic, right? <laughs> where where it's like we yeah. come such a long way. And also like part of this has to be the sort of like very commercial filmmaking style. I think that there is some really good shooting in this um, and some really interesting experimental stuff. But there are also like 18 full anti-narrative montages in this movie. Like the full like original soundtrack CD is in this movie and it's licensed music and it's just like watching them like have a fun date in uh like on the beach or on um in a toy store mm-hmm. or cooking or making fashion or whatever and like that is such a priority for this movie that like we get to this place where like the second act has absolutely no narrative momentum and then they literally have to introduce the third act in like 30 seconds right where right. like literally her boss rushes into the office and she's like we're going to lose the company and she's like no we're not i have an idea and then it's like Shot cut to one shot of her like building her idea. Shot cut to, I'm going to give this presentation. Shot cut to, the presentation's happening tonight, and it's going to happen at my house, and I need my family to come together and help me with it, right? It's like, why didn't we spend the last act building that story? Instead, we did like this date, and we did these montages about all the kids, and we did these long conversations that the stoner had with his stoner buds, and like- I don't know. It, I it, think, it really feels like a, a movie that has a lot of different motivations occurring at once. Yeah,
1: no, I, I, I would agree. I think it's because the second act is spent more or less like there are these little windows we get as she's building to this like very professional persona, this like, uh, you know, beyond mature, beyond her years type character, uh, just by nature of being thrust into the position. There are times and I think the, the third act really hinges on it where it's like she is still relying on some element of her connection to youth. To get by in that world. You know, she's like finding ways to shirk responsibility and give it to oh gee, I forget the actress's name, but the woman from Twin Peaks uh is in this movie. Kimmy uh, Robertson. Kimmy Robertson, thank you. Uh, She finds ways to shirk responsibility. She finds, uh, you know, she's stealing money from mom's purse, essentially, by taking the petty cash and never paying it back. Um, Like all those and and like literally at the very end, uh, the plot element is that they're going to lose their biggest account or their biggest like the account of the future because the uh, account, the see if I can remember the account, the client uh, had problems selling these uniforms to students cuz they didn't like how conformist they were cuz they yeah, didn't like they how boring write. they were. Yeah, they, they right.
0: Applegate's warning, right? Is she was like right. kids don't want to wear school uniforms like my fa- my high school was like a fashion show and yeah. then her boss says, "Well, that was a long time ago." Exactly. And she's like, like, "Yeah, I guess and, you're right." And it's and like wah, wah. Yeah.
1: And that is that is the element that like makes her that that's what gives her the third act is like she then can redesign these and sort of have input way beyond her position, you know, to sort of like save the company and all that stuff that Harry was mentioning. And and Uh, she synthesizes
0: her persona as a child and her persona as sort of an adult into this central thing. And like you said, Jason, the implication is kind of that she'll be able to maintain that youthful
1: sort of idealism. if only the, because she's aware of it, you know, because right. like you, th- there's that assumption over time that you lose touch with that because other things become more important. But what if you knew it's like that question, if you were three and could be shown exactly what it's like to be, you know, 33, what would you learn? How would you, change your life you know how would you live differently um but like i think that is why the second act feels like so missing is because that's i think where we're we're diving into is like the concept that oh can she can she successfully balance the concepts of being a career woman and of being a a teen just almost barely out of high school you know
2: right and can this movie balance all of its subplots no Um, (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) And when I was looking up uh, uh, Kimi Robertson's name, like just looking at the cast list, we've talked about the, like the siblings, you know, mm-hmm. the de facto, you know, uh, quote unquote, like Sue Ellen's play children in this movie. And like the siblings are like 12 or 15 characters down going by Wikipedia s- standards of like, there are roughly a dozen more important characters in this yeah. movie. And for, for an hour, 45 minute movie, I mean, this is, this is a dense movie. Like, I mean, we we've hit on it so hard, but just like, not to just like backseat direct, but man, combine some of these like kids together, like adventures and babysitting, sure. seeing that there were, you know, two kids in the household and then some doofus friend who tags along. Like even that just feels like a breath of fresh air. You've got, yeah, like uh, the older, the non um, Keith Coogan brother, who's, he's a ladies man. That's his characterization uh suelen has a younger sister who plays little league that's her characterization she fucking and then,
0: <laughs> disappears from this movie <laughs> she's gone she's in
2: the first scene and the last scene of this Third movie spark, wild. She's out. and at, like wikipedia's description of of walter the youngest in the household uh robert high gorman as walter crandall the 11 year old brother of sue who is a tv fanatic that Come is that on. kid's arc. He is such Come a TV on. fanatic that he falls off the roof and breaks his fucking leg. I'm and like, and like, We and, consolidate. Uh, yeah. Afterwards, uh, Cody Cody said that he
0: thought that, that that kid was going to die because he like he <laughs> borrowed a bunch of petty cash to buy an entertainment system. And Cody thought that he was going to accidentally tip the entertainment system over on himself and be hoist by his own petard. <laughs> an excellent visual metaphor. I, I think and, so. I would have really liked yeah. that. Also, that's a fucking <laughs> dark move, Cody.
2: <laughs> it is. Well, and I mean, we're, I mean, we're talking about the choose your own adventure miss of this movie, the miss narratives and plot lines. And like the, honestly, the flipped like pizza box thing, not to go all the way back to that, like that, on paper it sounds like such a cool like you know the the this inane thing and and i I guess it kind of gets into the communist reading of like you know the system like or uh and maybe if this movie were part like stanford prison experiment as well but just like okay we're going to like randomly choose which of these siblings is going to like fit you know the breadwinner mold and like the stay-at-home parent mold and just Mm -hmm. like you know, it, it, experiment. See, it, you know the the trappings and the conventions of this lifestyle will affect yeah. both of these these people equally. But the more the movie goes, you kind of feel like, well, Sue Ellen always did feel like the more responsible one. I don't necessarily think this would be like the same. This would be the same movie if if Keith Coogan were thrust into that spot. Also, because it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know their parent is it's it's a a single mother looking after these children. So of course we need to mirror that by having the eldest daughter Mm -hmm. take the reins. And so like I don't know, doctor points, but it is like I don't. They they could have done so much more with like any number of like little, just like little narrative like folk. Yeah, Yeah. right. It's it's definitely. Oh, sorry. Go ahead,
1: Jason. It's definitely that they needed a way to like they needed to center somebody, you know, like they didn't want to let those plot elements go by the wayside. For example, if Kenny is the one who like, Oh, he got stoned and fell off the roof. Oh, now he's the guy who's like, you know, he's now the, the plot. Like then how would he help out with the dinner soiree at the end? Right. Like just, just the the ability to separate some of those plot elements, but it does feel like incredibly underwritten for all of them. And why do we have so many? I didn't think about that before you brought it up. Uh, Harry, you were going to,
0: well, so two things, as you were talking, Jason, I just read that um, this was a, uh, the script was originally called the real world, like Cody said, and it came out in 1987, or it was um, finished in 1987, but before Fox produced it, they wanted it to have a lighter theme and mm. uh, they wanted it to have an actor, quote, like Winona Ryder, unquote, which is why this became such a huge Christina Applegate vehicle. So that makes a lot of sense, like production history wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the thing about both of these movies that kind of made like an inadvertent theme is that um i think that that like ultimately their their themes or like the um the message we're supposed to take away is is clearly resonant right especially upon reflection like i think i understand what both of these movies are doing and why um but that seems so uh immaterial in the face of what these movies actually are right mm-hmm. it's like it's so much more interesting to talk about all of the tension within this movie and all of the things it fails at than to talk about that sort of straightforward coming of age story um like for instance there are all of these like and and maybe this was just the style or maybe they were just doing like they they make these very big broad assumptions about how the audience should come to this movie feeling that maybe were true when these movies came out, that no longer is. Like, for instance, and and this is very much a '90s thing, but like this movie fucking hates teenagers. Like, it it is so disdainful of the children in the house in the first act that it like it really soured me. Right where it was like it just like it thought that like oh yeah, childhood is. children are loathsome and like their mom is like on her last legs and like it's
1: it's like the kenny's uh sloth is literally what kills the the babysitter right she she sees his room sees like porno mags on the walls and hears rock music and thinks oh Mai, i'm dead uh so like i hadn't thought about it before um in that way but yeah there there is like a a dissatisfaction, like the, the finger wagging you were talking about, like that very right. didactic, Um, you know, the, we're going to build this dichotomy between Christine Applegate, Sue, and everybody else, all the other teenagers. And that's going to serve our direct narrative of us as adults writing about how teenagers aren't responsible.
0: Right. No, that's exactly right. Right. And especially because their transformations are so significant Mm -hmm. and so ultimately seen as positive in this movie that like, yeah, I like the reading that you have. And I think that that's the reading that was intended by this movie but i also think that this movie hated teenagers too much to pull it off sure where it was like it hated all of those kids so much that this movie ends up being well when you have responsibilities maybe you'll find out why i treat you the way i do and it's like right. fucking calm down like grandpa yeah we you know we,
1: we want to like there's room there i feel like there's room there but maybe not the heart to do it to punch up at corporate america to punch up at modern parenting styles. Oh, yeah. instead it uses that to like oh let's position one of those youths as that so that we can use
2: her to punch down. Yeah, at, it does at, all the, at I, all the youths. It does. I mean, does it talk out of its like out of both sides of its mouth a little bit? Like it tries to do like it I mean, it tries to communicate the occasionally very true thing of just like, look, if you're if you're nice enough and you don't <laughs> annoy the shit out of anybody, maybe you can get the executive assistant job too. Sure. Like that's I mean, that does exist at the same time, like Right, framing it as okay, like this position, this new life that um that Sue Ellen has is eating away at her. Huh? I never right. considered that from no. from my mom's perspective. This mom, man, this mom who who just really sucks. Why can not <laughs> she just play long at the big thing at the end? That's so oh, that's so frustrating. That's, that, that, also, oh, yeah, like the mom is is bad, like really
0: bad in this movie. Like I I know we're supposed to be sympathetic to her, especially because her right. kids are shitty, but like the way they frame her in this is like, well, I have a new boyfriend and I'm going on vacation for two months. And I guess I'm going to get you a sitter. Bye. Is right. like, this is wait. a Romare
2: movie. Bye. I'll see <laughs> yeah. You after holiday.
0: It, well, yes. Right. It's, it's a little weird. Um, one thing I really do like about this movie um, and specifically the Christina Applegate career moment is the, uh, the character Rose Lindsay played by Joanna Cassidy. Um, Thank you. Uh, this is the,
1: Christina Applegate's um, boss. Yeah, not Alice and Janney that I mentioned earlier.
0: Yes, right. She looks a lot like Alice and Janney. Um, and she's like really a standout character in my mind. And it, it also does something really cool where like this character is like a child, right? She's like a child in an adult woman's body. I think that that is very much supposed to be text. Um, I think that like it's supposed to be an emperor has no clothes situation where like Christina Applegate has to has to uh, like mimic these trappings of adulthood so hard in order to t- sort of like climb the ladder and get where she needs to be and when she arrives she finds out that there's a there's a, a little girl in an adult woman's body a woman like, child. working yeah, yeah. there and i really like that right like i really like the idea that like oh nobody is actually an adult right because mm. that that is a very important thing for children to learn but i think that really gets lost here um Definitely. especially because there are a lot of scenes of a coked up uh executive trying to um have sex with 17 year old Christina Applegate. And yeah. it is like, it's, it's played for sort of like, look at corporate America, man. And like, I get it, but also like,
1: holy shit, those scenes. Yeah, they are. They are pretty rough. Um, The other way that I, the other way that it's doing that whole, like talking out the sides of its mouth thing that Cody was talking about was uh, near the very end, right after like the whole soiree is done and they're all packed up and stuff one of kenny's friends stoner friends is like oh man yeah school time to you know fuck off and yeah and, dude and drop out and stuff and then he's like i don't know i think i actually want to go to school now i think i like i think i really want and it's like again that both sides of his mouth of his mouth thing is and i might be wrong here is like yeah sure great we've just transformed the free spirit um weed smoking teen who has nothing to worry about in his life into like now a drone, uh, into now a drone yeah and, but also like he discovered through the events of the movie he discovered a thing he's passionate about he's passionate about cooking he watched a lot of julia child and he became like mc of this event and he catered it and everything and it's like that, that that's cool he's found something that he wants to do and but like the way that he's uh finding that he should express it is by going to an educational institution by uh you know becoming part like a cog in the machine type thing like, I'm, Man, I'm gonna right. start
2: respecting my elders you know even yeah. even if they even if they had done it instead of just like you know what I should really maybe I'll go back to classes like the the in, inference being like he's going to go back to whatever high school they're at just mm-hmm. like even if it was something like you know maybe I'll I'll go to the you know community center and take some cooking classes or yeah. something like that anything anything to deviate from like right the the corporate America path well it mm-hmm. would have been a little bit better. Right. And just
0: like focus on the interest itself or the passion itself. Right. Right. Not, not the negative sort of aspect where it was like for him, it was like the passion was an at like a footnote to the fact that it it made him into this responsible heteronormative sort of like capital normative version of himself or like, Oh, now he dresses nice and he has short hair and now the girl he likes, like likes the way he looks and everything. It's like, why didn't they just sort of like, he was obviously a directionless sort of disaffected teen. And legitimately, I love that plot line, right? Like, I think it's so cute that he's watching Julia Child and he gets really into it. Like, that's such a fun idea for that character because it is, like, genuinely gender subversive and it it, like, speaks to how kids, like, develop these strong passions for things that end up guiding them. And that's so much fun. But, like... So, so I guess yeah, I, I agree with Cody. It's just like at the end of it would have just been like maybe he could have like found a mentor or started asking a bunch of questions about cooking right, or something right. instead of just being like
2: got a job in a kitchen, yeah, right? like at, at that fast food place. Yeah, instead I, that's, of like that's what I was literally just like
0: old man lecturing his best friend about how this is not the way my son. Yeah. Uh, at the end of this movie.
1: Yeah, there's. You want that to be one of the areas that they like since they've positioned Kenny in the last act as like such an important part of the story when he was kind of not incredibly until the boy got his leg broken. uh, You want it to be like, oh, follow through on that character. Use some of the like do some of the footwork you did for uh, Christina Applegate and, and do it for Keith Coogan, you know, like give his character some something that he could have learned. And the thing that he learned is the thing that everybody ends up learning, which is. Yeah, I'll go to school. I'll become, uh, you know, a, a, a tool of corporate capitalist America, and uh, that's that's what I'll. That, and I'm going to be happy while doing it. I'm going to, you know, lick the boot and thank it for tasting good. You know, it, it's just like, it's un, unfulfilled. A Fox production. It is a Fox Amen. production. Um, isn't it?
2: Isn't it wild that Keith Coogan was in more than one movie that we saw the other day? I.
1: Thank you for bringing Perfect it transition, up. I, Cody. Was, I was hoping this would be our moment. Uh, we also saw as part of this same event. Uh, sorry. What you just heard us discussing was uh, don't tell mom the baby is dead. Check it out um, on VOD or FAST, uh, wherever you get movies. The next one that we watched and it was immediately following. I cannot emphasize it. You guys did this weird thing where Harry just looked to his left and Cody just looked to his right. That's the way right they next all to became each other. the it Brady Bunch. It was so <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> uh, this this movie is called um, uh, Adventures in Babysitting, 1991. I gave you a little bit of a rundown. It's a Chris Columbus movie. Uh, no, sorry, not 1991. The other one was 1991. This is 1987. Uh, it uh, oh boy, directed, is it directed by Chris Columbus, uh, starring Elizabeth Shue and again Keith Co- Keith Coogan in roughly similar roles as to the ones that uh, that um, that were uh, that they encountered in the first movie. But Elizabeth Shue is sort of the um, you know uh, senior. Chick uh babysitter whose boyfriend dump surfer uh one night ends up babysitting for Keith Coogan's character Brad Anderson and his sister and another guy. Anyway, the plot takes them out of suburbia into Chicago to pick up its uh what's her name? Chris's friend at the train station because she's tried to run away. Uh, time is against them. They're trying to get back home before anybody notices, but they get a flat tire and then somebody picks them up and he gets into a domestic dispute. Of course, just a comedy of errors that leads them all the way into like downtown heart of Chicago blues bars and, uh, and you know, in the middle of a mob conspiracy, um, and then back out again, obviously, uh, it's, this is, I say, obviously, and I say it with some, not that term specifically, but like, I talk about this movie with a lot more like a uh, uh, little because it's way more. Predictable, way more what you would think of this movie. so much more a movie concept. than it the is other way movie. Way is. more movie than than this movie is. Uh, Harry, tell us about how it's uh, much more movie than the other movie was.
0: Uh, well, just in terms of structure like all each of these characters has an arc um and the story I think maybe being an adventure story, maybe being a road story really helps it, but like we we know much more conventionally what the characters are going to go through um it felt much more predictable, not in a bad way, just in that way um but uh es- especially like just the um the much more conventional archetypes, I guess right like we've got the simp best friend are the simp kid we've got the sort of um dissociated from reality little girl who's very like cute and charming and then the put upon babysitter right and like Mm -hmm. it's it's a much more conventional setup and ultimately like i think that especially coming off the heels of don't tell mom the babysitter's dead um I don't know if I would have noticed this before but like this the central conceit of what this movie was doing became immediately apparent to me very quickly right where it was like oh this is going to be a series of vignettes about these characters in right. the big city right and it was like okay like now I have my footing now I know what I'm watching whereas like that was such a contrast from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead where it's like I don't know what this movie
2: is Yeah right yeah and I mean this is I'm looking up the release date as we speak, but just like adding to that. Um, yeah. Okay. So adventures in babysitting was just a year after Ferris Bueller uh, came oh. out and like, and, and not that like, uh, I'm sort of in the same boat as Harry, like predictable, not necessarily in a bad way or like, like able to tell, okay, this is going to be a story self-contained, you know, over the course of one evening, everything's going to tie off in a nice little bow. There might be like a couple canonical lingering effects as a result of their experiences. But like the fact that I know that like, that's going to like, I I'm never, I'm not generally someone just like, Oh, I can predict what this movie is going to be. And like that negatively affects my experience. Anything that's wrong with this movie is in my mind, not because of that, but it is. Yeah. It does kind of have a a roadmap. Like this is a, a story um, with your 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 absolute favorite tropes, uh, including the simp character, um, <laughs> it's it's a, a story about you know um, kids from Edina going to downtown Minneapolis, and like the the way I guess you know if we're looking for ways to link this to Don't Tell Mom the Babysitters, that it does. To me, and maybe it's just maybe it's because I've been watching a lot of Hey Arnold, and like coming at it from this angle, but it does feel like the the younger person perspective of like this is what the city is like. Yes, right? no, mm-hmm. that, that's the biggest yeah.
0: thing I wanted to talk about, right? Because like yeah. speaking of this movie making a lot of assumptions about um, how the audience should feel going into this, they present this sort of like suburban versus urban uh, tension that I was not really like brought up with. In this way, but in it, it, it ends up being like this arch conservative arch Reagan era movie, right? Where it's like, it's taken as a given that downtown Chicago is Mad Max. It's hell on earth because largely because there are black people there. Like that is literally like the way that this movie, uh, black people and disabled people, excuse me. There's also a disabled person. Um, and again, like I'm not, I'm not saying that this movie is canceled necessarily though. I think you could cancel it for that because the whole point of the movie is supposed to be that like, okay, this is how kids think about the city and they're going to be proven sort of wrong, right? Or they're going to come away with these experiences. There's a not all black people character in this movie whose whole role is to be not all black people. Um, And they're, they're supposed to have these, these sort of like, um, these adventures that subvert their expectations at every turn about what the adult world is like and about what the city is like. And to do that, they set up, I mean, even the, the term adventures in babysitting, right? It's like, this is supposed to be a like adventure movie in the style of something like Indiana Jones. And so we, we think that there are, we're, we're supposed to let them get away with painting with this really broad brush, right? Where it's like, oh, the kids from the suburbs would be scandalized by the big city. It's like you said, uh cody right it's like how suburbans Minnesota, suburban minnesota's sotans talk about downtown Minneapolis right now, right where like i like I'll talk to like my um suburban family members and they'll be like, "Do you feel safe?" and it's like,, well, what the fuck are you talking about um and that's that's kind of how this works if like this movie took place in their imaginations, right um and oh my God, is that a problematic conceit? oh my god is it rough uh it's it's wild that this movie becomes as fun and mostly harmless as it is uh in the face of that conceit is what i'll say i guess
1: is that partly because it unifies the bad guys instead of as the disabled instead of as people of color it's as mobsters as criminals (laughs) i
0: mean kind of right but also like uh they they keep cutting to the kid who's Stuck at the bus station and she is being harassed by just homeless people. Yeah. Like it is just she just like has the experience of literally interacting with homeless people and it's supposed to be like a harrowing, traumatizing experience for her. Right. But Wouldn't also be kind of hilarious fun. if yeah. a phone
2: booth was somebody's house. Wouldn't yeah. that be like, isn't that wild? Isn't that completely it's wild ridiculous? And
0: so scary and and so weird, and it's it's
2: like, oh my God, like <laughs> really, really rough. Uh, That is another inciting incident. I mean, the second inciting incident of the evening that was just like dropped and forgotten by us, the viewers at various points, which like I was... Maybe that is something that Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead like adequately prepared me for. I feel like three times over the course of Adventures in Babysitting, I lean over to Jason and I'm just like, just like remember they've got a friend at the, the the train station that they're now just like willfully <laughs> ignoring? She's like, oh, Bradley Whitford, Bradley Whitford is at this restaurant. Bradley Whitford, by the way, is in this movie. Brad, Bradley Whitford is in this restaurant. Uh, I, You know what? Fuck Brenda, she's probably dead anyway. I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> confront him in public. To, to be fair, I think that that's
0: that's a, one of the more successful bits in this movie, it is. right? It's, is it's, it's, it's legitimately good. Brenda, like, even in the the blues song that they sing, which is a great scene. They're like, and Brenda's probably already dead, right? Like, <laughs> Brenda's probably dead. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, re- I mean, I really like that part. By the way, yes, Bradley Whitford plays the like bad boy character. He's got a red Camaro with the license plate, so cool. And then afterwards. <laughs> I don't want to put her on blast, our, our good friend Gretchen. She was like, yeah, Bradley Whitford looks good in this
1: movie. I was <laughs> like, so, oh, my that God. That is a
0: wild take. <laughs> I have never heard anyone feel that way about Bradley Whitford. But uh, I guess that he works in that role for her. So that's wonderful. And I'm not yucking any yums, you know?
2: Well, and I don't know how this um, affects that per- perspective or not, that perception, either in a good way or a bad way. Um, I'm pulling up the MDB page to make sure I read this uh, trivia piece correctly. But the number one trivia item for this movie was that uh, the the car that says "so cool" was apparently Bradley Whitford's actual car. <laughs> hey, I take <laughs> everything
0: back. That's the, he's the All coolest right, yeah. person on earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I, I feel like with Bradley Whitford, I can look at him and say "you," and then like when he starts talking, I'm like, "Yeah, I get it." He has that sort of like voice that just like he's not saying anything in a nice way that makes you want to hear more but like the way that he's saying it or like the things that he's actually saying are very very convincing he has a nice charm about him
0: i mean i think he's good in this role he's he's like believably slimy but it, yeah
1: but like but his role is to be slimy heart lying, throb. yeah bad backstabbing heartthrob right yeah
0: and it's it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a weird uh
2: I think. It's yeah. I mean, Um, like hot enough to have like two potential. You know, girlfriends, and like I think I think he reaches that threshold. Sure. Okay. That's it's just fine. that
0: they have a Vincent D'Onofrio cameo in this. I was and just Vincent about D'Onofrio to say, looks like truth. a fucking god in this movie, and he's I mean, playing like, god. Kind textually,
1: of. yeah, he's he's yeah. playing. The girl confuses him for Thor because he comes down with his mechanics hammer, and he's wearing a a, a you know sleeveless tee, and he's got his trucker cap on Which, with like, this wonderful like golden wig. Man, Incredible. like
0: I. That was a very successful scene because I was beside myself to see <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio in that way. I was like, "Oh my God,
1: it's it's Thor." Well, <laughs> between fucking Full Metal Jacket and uh, what, like Law and Order. I don't. I just assumed that Vincent D'Onofrio didn't exist. So, like, he stopped looking like he did in Full Metal Jacket, and then just started looking like he did in Law and Order. But he's like an absolute smoke show in this movie. He's like glistening, and he's wearing the tight jeans. And oh my god, just. Well, technically, there
2: is some overlap in that like spectrum you established, Jason, because Full Metal Jacket came out in the same year as this movie, which is
0: that seems absurd to
2: consider. Wasn't
0: that eighty five?
2: full metal uh i mean i that can seems, take it up with no, it's, it's, it seems, <laughs>
0: that, that john that seems impossible to me
2: that Plus, is fucking wild good for
1: him good for him good for him <laughs> uh good for vincent d'onofrio um yeah like like harry was saying it is full of stuff that like i i'm not in the business of of canceling the, the 400 blows fucking sucks and three billboards fucking sucks but i'm not in the business of canceling any more movies in my time um but in this movie obviously a lot of those tropes a lot of those characters a lot of those vignettes that Harry was talking about are used to problematic effect, we'll say, um, wherein like they are very scared to be in what's essentially like, if you've ever been to Bunker's Jam here in Minneapolis, just like a jazz club, like a jazz blues club where like all of the patrons and all the performers are black and they're like, oh my God, we have to get out of here. We have to I they think, think one of them says they says we have to get out of this. And, and yeah, then at one just-
0: point, they literally just like crash into a black bar. It's just a black blues bar. It looks cool and fun. And they end up having spoilers a great time. But like the entire central conceit of that scene is that it's supposed to be so subverting of expectations right. that the people there are just cool and friendly, right? Because they're we're, they we're finally in
1: 1987. We're finally humanizing black people who enjoy having a good time with music that are literally
0: you know? just minding their own business in a bar at a blues show. In and these Chicago. kids are like, "Oh my god, we're going to be murdered by a
2: horde of black people!" It's it wild. Then those four white kids go on to invent jazz. Did I <laughs> did I misread that scene? <laughs> It is very That's stupid, fly, isn't it? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. That that. Well, yeah. Um, one note for after this, but yeah, that stupid. I think it was you who pointed this out, Jason. That like we're we're summarizing the movie up to this point, and it's been like forty minutes. No, yeah, yeah. It's like that. That was supposed to be. That was clearly supposed to be like
0: the last scene, or maybe even the credit scene. And instead, they were like, "Oh, this is like the second thing that happened to them in the city." Is they all sing. A summary song about their adventures that they just had, and they hadn't had any adventures yet. So they were just like, "Oh yeah, we just got here, and bread
1: is dead." And yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love, I love how, and it's uh, the actual. I recognize his face, but not his name. Um, Albert Collins, a uh, mm-hmm. Telecaster guitar player, who is like the leader of that band. Uh, even he, when he's singing the song, he's like, "And that girl's probably already dead." Yeah, <laughs> he's really good. The it's a very good bit, uh, very, very good because it, it, it is a bit, definably a bit, because it happens multiple times. I'm trying to separate bit from gag in my lexicon these days, um, but like I, I guess, I guess what's worth talking about is what we've sort of elucidated the ways in which in which this movie is a mess. Some of the structure stuff and some of obviously a lot of the portrayals of different kinds of people uh, really fall flat, or maybe they do exactly what the movie wanted them to do, and it's just an awful thing. But what actually like, why did I leave this movie feeling good about it? Why did I leave this movie with like, yeah, that's two and a half, but it's an incredibly likable movie. It's like not very well made. Um, and I, I just think it comes down to like the, uh, uh, maybe the absurdity of some of those vignettes that happen. I'm thinking about, oh, I'm forgetting the character's name, but the truck, the, uh, pickup, tr- sorry, tow truck driver with one hand, uh, John Pruitt is, is it? Oh, hand,
2: handsome, John Pruitt,
1: handsome, John That's Pruitt right. just how like such an out of like the way that they, they use that, the way that they scrape that character off in the middle of the, like right after that scene. And then in the middle of the movie, bring him back to be like the deus ex machina I don't know. The, and and the more I think about the movie, the things that I liked about this movie, the more I'm able to, like Cody was saying, put myself in the mind of somebody who considers it a classic or saw this movie when they were young. It's because it's those moments that stick out in your head rather than what they all kind of add up to, you know, yeah. like when I think yeah. about some of my favorite movies from that era, I think, Oh, I remember the, the run by fruiting a scene from Mrs. <laughs> Outfire. And I'm like, man, that's a really fucking funny scene. That is so good. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, but where does that fit? Like, what does that, where does that belong in the movie it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter it's just the moment that's very very the, funny the
0: way that he says it was a drive by fruiting though it's so good dude uh <laughs> yeah i th- i think that this movie does a lot of things that i like and a lot of it is just like i think i like this genre a lot i really like single night movies um like single night adventure movies are really really fun uh i made a joke to jason that this was martin scorsese's after hours like <laughs> 10 minutes into this movie and that i was like wait i was joking this is actually martin scorsese's after hours um but uh, I really like also the like the smallness of the city. The fact that like vignettes keep intersecting with one another. Like yeah. you said, like the the hookman comes back and mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. always like you know that they all of the seeds that they plant in act one pay off in acts two or three to the point where like it's almost like a, a little Tokyo Godfathers, right? Where like they just keep like running into things and it ends up like having this um, this building effect Um, and, and like, finally, I think it's just like what you had mentioned, Jason, is that like, there is a real genuine joy in this movie in how over the top it is. Like they, they literally just take a full warrior scene and put it into this movie (laughs) on the, uh, L train it's it's really good. Um, and like it, it, it plays with those, those problematic tropes, but like the fact that it goes
2: so hard and so high with them doesn't redeem it, but like kind of does you know what i mean right i think an element that feeds into what both of you guys are talking about and something that i particularly enjoyed you know i i was screaming 20 minutes ago about how um don't tell mom the babysitter's dead needs to consolidate its child characters and like we've got I, i i mean you can only get so much out of um kid performers i mean different filmmakers uh get different you know they have different mileage with that um whereas uh um Maya Bruton who, and I was clinging to the Marty McFly reference because her filmography is basically this movie. And as, um, Oh, uh, Sally Baines in back to the future. Uh, mm. that might be like, yeah. So like a, a one of Lorraine's siblings or something, mm-hmm. but just like very enthusiastic kid performance. And the fact that we she get was more, she was really, really good. And the fact that we have so many, like she was very earnest, very expressive. The fact that she's reacting earnestly to, to handsome John Pruitt, uh, you know the um the the not all you know the not all uh, black people character um the the Greek representation we get at the auto body shop um the jazz like 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 responding in earnest in ways that are maybe a little more off kilter than what you would get from like you know a, a normal like grown up person or like even like a slightly older kid. Um, like our, you know, like our, our buddy, uh, Keith Coogan is sort of reacting. I mean, all of his reactions are, um, painted with, um, with symptom. Um, <laughs> but like, she was a really, um, yeah, Sarah was a really nice character to kind of throw into these situations and just like react. And like, I don't, I don't know the, 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 the resulting effect was like yeah i mean this is this is wholesome even though it's not <laughs> completely well, it, wholesome and at times right. problematic
0: and that that character trope is so charming especially when you have someone that charming playing it Where like the little girl who is sort of um uh contrary to expectations fearless and mm-hmm. just having the time of her life and like she she keeps asking like can we do this again next week or something like that it's like the I think that that can be annoying but they pull it off really really stylishly here mostly because her performance is that good and she's really just that like sort of like heartwarming to watch. Mm-hmm. Um I yeah, I think that that's a really you, good point. Um I did want to talk about Joe Gipp, the aforementioned um not all black character's character. Um he gives a really good performance. He's like wildly hot in this movie, like probably too hot because like it got our audience to misread one of the scenes uh, in kind of a dire way, or I—I I guess I shouldn't say misread. It's what the movie wants. It's just well, weird. yeah.
1: Explain that, yeah. Uh,
0: so like, Joe Gipp is a is a car thief working for the mob. Yes, he is a, a black car thief in Chicago because of course he is. Um, and but he carjacks in a uh harrowing, true to life scene for us Minneapolis residents. He carjacks a car with uh, children inside of it. The kids. Um, and ends up taking it to the chop shop, uh, and, you know, hijinks ensue. Um, but he ends up being a surprisingly noble, surprisingly, um, like, again, I'm saying quote unquote, surprisingly, right? Like the, the, the idea, the conceit of this character is that it's deeply ironic that a black car thief would be a good person again, like yikes. Um, he gives a really good performance, but his like last scene is he hands this, um, this playbook, our playboy book back to the main characters. Um, Elizabeth shoes character. There's a running bit in this movie that like miss February or whoever in playboy March looks exactly like Elizabeth shoe. People keep mixing them up. Um, she's 17. First of all, really weird bit to put in this. Um, and, and also like that this, there's this idea where like, uh, like, Joe Gipp, at the end, he says, like, oh, he, he's looking at it, and he's like, wow, and, and they're like, sh- she's like, please don't say it, and and he goes, no, she she doesn't even compare to you. And, like, everyone in our movie theater was like, ooh, and, like, it, I get it, because, like, he looks great in this movie. He's got, like, a, uh like, ponytail. He's got this leather jacket. He's, like, a, a really good-looking dude, but um, it is, it's weird, right? Because, like, again, we're characterizing, like, Oh, I get it. It's cool. This guy's one of the good black characters because he's attracted to a white woman.
1: <laughs>
0: right. And, and be, yeah. because he's like and because his attraction to a white woman makes it possible for him to do the right thing. Uh and then uh, a scene later, um, Elizabeth Shue hooks up with uh a white frat dude. Uh she, ends up, she actual- ends up with
2: Right. She ends up with college age, down bad, off brand, Paul Rudd. I don't know yeah. if anybody else saw that. But- <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, that
0: was r- really bad, by the way, all the college frat stuff, I hated it so much. It was like, oh, like the really like the Elizabeth shoes character, her arc and Charlie was explaining this. She was like, she wasn't sure what she wanted to do with her life. She wasn't sure where she wanted to go to college or if she wanted to go to college. And then she finds out that there are cute white boys in Chicago. <laughs> and that sets her on the arc toward going to that university. So she can be with the aforementioned cute white boy. And it's like, man especially because like you set up this other romantic angle with this this black character uh and then it was like oh it's that's ridiculous the idea that that elizabeth shoes character would be interested in or attracted to this black car thief is patently ridiculous but she she will rearrange her life in order to uh hook up with this frat dude that's that's
1: all good that's that's these movies, uh, regressive, trans, uh, 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 not subversive in, in many ways. Um, not, not as interesting as maybe they should be, but still, still a ton of fun. I would still say, watch them, watch out for some really, really dated humor that does not play. Even uh, maybe I'm hoping back then it didn't play either. Uh, you know, rape jokes and, um, yeah. you know, jokes about race, et cetera. Like, a lot, a lot of perversion that runs through at least a couple of characters especially in that last movie um but the little freak character you're referring to the little freak to. character which i even I don't know if we've identified a little freak who's as like poisonously, terribly freaky as this kid. Cause, he like, really crosses uh,
0: the, the spec where it's like, oh, we have to – now we are ourselves, the the Try Love podcast, we have to reckon with what it truly means to be a little freak and that, well, that might not yeah. be something that we want to be
2: promoting. <laughs> well, I think it was during – yeah, during the our first one, which was Don't Tell on the Babysitter's Dead, I, I think, Jason, you leaned over it when David Duchovny like, finished his first scene and was like, well, this is our candidate from tonight, and That's a lot. Um, unfortunately, and- <laughs>
0: David Duchovny is like six five.
2: Uh, so, right, right, yeah. yeah. Well, he was shorter back then. Uh, but then, uh, what's his name? Uh, what? The- Daryl Cooper Smith shows up and is like, "Here, hold, hold my grape juice." I'm <laughs> Man, this to
0: is a little freak. <laughs> yeah. You
2: know, like, Look, he- yeah,
0: the yeah. entire inciting incident is that he had a Playboy that he brought with him on this car journey. Uh, and then his, his buddy threw it out the window and then they steal a playboy from the mob because he's just gotta have it. He just, he can't go without his playboy. And that obviously ends up being like where they wrote all of their fucking mob notes. I don't know. It's never really clear. Listen, what listen, information
1: watch, watch wait until dark, the seminal Audrey Hepburn film. And you'll understand, you'll understand the, the importance wait of until that. Dark rules. It is a really good movie. Very, very good.
2: I'm, I'm glad you yeah, like got to see that.
0: It's very fun. Yeah. In the sense to like go back it's like an anthropological study, right? Where it's like you go back to this nineteen eighty-six movie, it's like, oh yeah, the eighties were like a magical time where like a bunch of rich, coked up white dudes just pretended America didn't have any problems and the party was gonna last forever, and they made a <laughs> bunch of movies to that effect. And, and then like it some did of those last movies are
1: forever. very
0: fun to watch in a in a way.
1: <laughs>
2: I
0: think this yeah, is two at, of them. Yeah. Right. At
2: the end of the day. Look, one of these movies had a cardigan Welsh Corgi in it. So the floor on the experience is is pretty high. Did you look up who that is?
1: uh, Bud the Welsh Corgi played Elvis the the Welsh Corgi. I don't -hmm. know which name I like more for a Welsh Corgi.
2: They're, they're They're both pretty good. They're both like not traditionally but like humany names humany names attached to pets is oh it always
1: worked one of the things i, I love met a most. dog named Steve one time and i thought that's <laughs> that's on the borderline that's like almost calling him like ken or something that's just way <laughs> too human
0: uh we should talk about the climax a little bit where they actually have to go to the party that their parents were at um i didn't think it was great it's not a highlight of the movie uh one thing that i did really like about it is that one uh it's exactly just Jingle All the Way. They just do the Jingle All the Way finale <laughs> where like the yep. kid is up on the roof of the building climbing around. And also, um, the, the quote unquote final bad guy is is the second in command of the mob boss. Uh Graydon is the second in command's name. Um, played by um Ron Ellis Canada, uh, who's really good in it, I think. But like the thing about it is that he's not—I didn't find him particularly intimidating. In fact, he sort of offsets the intimidation factor of the main mob mob boss, and so it it creates this very funny scene in the climax of this movie that's supposed to be very tense, where there is just this middle-aged, not in particularly great shape, black dude chasing this much more agile much more physically fit child around this roof and like she's climbing up things she's climbing down things and literally at one point he's like oh god damn it <laughs> like he's, he's like really after her but it's like it's 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 so funny that like that was supposed to be the like final big tense moment because it was like this is like she's like fucking running circles around this dude <laughs> Did i think yeah go
2: ahead is,
1: is the implication there that he just died
2: I don't know. There? There's apparently a post credits scene. Um, this is another IMDB like for o- real? crazy you crazy credits, I think is the name of the section. Um Nick Fury
0: it, shows oh, up and recruits Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> <under the laughs> like, hey, can
2: I get you down from there? By the way, I have an opening uh, with the <laughs> Avengers Initiative. No, apparently he is just like literally hanging out there, um, like post credits so just like still here. It's like hey, do you forget about me? Like one of those one of those bits. Um yeah. Hey, um, shout outs. Um, I hope he made it up off, uh, off the, the side of the building. Okay. Um, but I think there is, there is something to that formula of like, not to just like drag it back to Ferris Bueller, but like the antagonizing force of principal Rooney is like relatively meek in that, like the, the, it is supposed to be, you know, very obviously like various obstacles. Over the course of the day or the night or, or whatever the 12-hour the period and it is uh, th- there is you you can only go so hard with like um yeah like how hard the the villain is like going to get i mean principal rooney uh spoilers for ferris bueller if nobody's fucking seen ferris bueller um but like I, he i think his, his highest moment is uh, of like being a villain is is near the end and it's like very flash in the pan brief and like i don't I, I agree, Harry, Uh, whether it's, um, uh, um, Mr. Mr. Canada as Graydon or, um, or I guess Graydon himself. Um, just like there aren't, there isn't a whole lot of that. It, It does feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're combating the city. The, you know, the, the Greek mafia is just like one part of this. Um, they, they don't feel particularly intimidating, but like it's I, I mean it's for it's purposeful not necessarily super successful but i mean there is probably something to that unless i'm just like really like reading too far into the data well, of the two thing films about the, the climax
0: is that it's actually a bunch of different competing tensions right like yeah. they're also at the party where uh, the parents of the children are and they have to not be discovered and um, so that's happening and the babysitter's trying to get to the kid and the kid's trying to escape and the other guy bleak is, is trying to like thwart them. So there's a lot of things happening at once. And I actually kind of loved that as sort of like, well, we have to, we have to come up with a reason why this girl is able to sort of like hang out. um, Like, uh, for so long while these other things play out. And I thought it was really funny that like the way that they did it, uh, was just to be like, what if the guy chasing her is just not very good at chasing her? Um, and, and also I, like, Oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, how good can you be at chasing a 10 a year old right on a slick window in the, in, in winter, like Christmas time. And the window yeah. is like at a 60 degree angle. <laughs>
0: and And probably thought, also a canny move on their part that like, because the the central conceit again of of this final scene and for much of the movie is that these mobsters uh want to chase down and kill these children <laughs> like they're 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 like trying to murder children uh so like i i guess like maybe they were like okay if we if we take this too seriously if we show like a gun or something all of a sudden it's going to be like home alone two right where it's like jesus the wet band is just want to fucking murder kevin now <laughs> They did
2: show a gun in the movie, or some other character did, and it was one of the funniest images in the whole movie. It it
1: might end up being the gif. It's when uh, Brenda is at the bus stop, and there's a guy, she's talking about a guy with a gun, and he just opens up his trench coat and he's like flashes a gun and this very smiley look on his face.
0: Yeah, and it like, it just looks like he's excited he has it. He's like, check (laughs) this shit out, I've got a gun! Yeah, yeah, again, like, that's the sort of thing where it's like, it's problematic, but like there's something so funny about the glee that they lean into these tropes with where it's just like, oh yeah, there's just there's just a trench gun gun guy or a trench coat gun guy at every bus stop, (laughs) right? It's like, oh god!
1: Oh boy. Um, I really like that. I forget who's driving at this point, but uh, maybe it's by the time they've gotten their car back, they drive down to Lower Wacker Drive uh, in Chicago, and obviously where parts of The Dark Knight were filmed, and like the lighting is is like neon, like looking like it's like fucking Repo Man
0: for a second.
1: (laughs) It's just really like bizarrely surreal. I mean, like nothing strange happens down there; just more antics. But like, I don't know. It was just a one of the moments I'll remember from this movie. Um any final thoughts before we start stitching it up and getting to the final segment of our show.
0: Um I guess one thing I sorry, I don't I don't mean to end on a bummer, but I, I do kinda like this movie. Um but I think that like it's so funny that it's it's very good at, at antics and like ratcheting up things, but when it has to sit in a scene it really suffers. Like I think that the the final Bradley Whitford confrontation is so bad <laughs> in this movie. Like just the way that like they keep forgetting about what the characters are supposed to be doing or like, and so it, it just kind of goes to show you that like, this is very much like we wanted to create this series of scenes and vignettes. Uh, and and we didn't necessarily have a lot to like tie it all together, um, but it works. Right. I think it's, it was, it was fun and unusual and informative to watch uh, an adventure movie like this, because it taught me so much about like what the motivations are. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like, everything is about getting to the blue scene or everything is about like getting to this scene where all of these wacky things are happening at once. Um, And that's all it has to be. right?
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I enjoyed my time with both of these and there are two categories that I would put both of these movies into. Not, not to say that I would never like sit down and watch either of them, you know, my undivided attention, facing the TV screen. Uh, Not to say that I won't do that ever again, but at the very least uh, not to just like crib the idea of a hangover movie from the, we hate movies podcast. But I I think about that framing a lot, like the hangover or like a sick day movie where it's like, these are movies that you don't have to pay a whole lot of attention to, to kind of like, you know, get, or remember what's going on. There's not a lot of like attack on the senses. um, you know, not like to, not too many jumps in volume or like loud, uh flashes you know you're it's pretty well toned down um i feel like both of these movies fit that bill for me of you know if i'm you know if i'm nursing a hangover or if i've got a a case of the sniffles you know just on the couch maybe dozing in and out and just like oh yeah the the antics you know uh they've got the babysitting blues whatever the fuck yeah Um, and then the the other category that i've stumbled upon just with um, some other non podcast hobbies um, leading me to like uh, pack up my bags and like go on a road trip or like hop on a plane to somewhere. And I'll always, or not always, but lately I've gotten into the habit of just like throwing on a movie that I know well enough to just like have on in the background. And I'll like, if if, if, you know, a lull in, you know, my, whatever I'm doing, I'll give it my undivided attention. Otherwise I can hear it. And it's comforting enough. I feel like I would do that with either of these movies. You know, not necessarily movies that I love and I would want to commit my full attention to, but just like, if I'm doing, or like chores, I don't know, pe- people, yeah. people, I think probably do that. Just like doing shit around the house or the apartment, you know, you're cleaning it, you're cleaning or something. Just like, Hey, th- throw on adventures and babysitting. Why the hell not?
0: Yeah. I mean, in, in that vein, I would say that like, I think exactly how we watch these movies was like absolutely the best possible way i could have watched these movies like it was friday night we went with a bunch of friends and we watched them back to back and i was laughing my ass off the whole time right like it was it was a blast to do it that way and it was a blast to be there with an audience doing that and they were both on 35 millimeter which is wild very uh, wild pretty, yeah pretty beat up 35 millimeter prints too which is always nice uh at one point one of them cut out and like there were little scenes missing which i really thought was funny um but yeah i mean it's just like it was it was a really good time to watch this kind of movie in that kind of environment with my friends, you know. Um, and I really like movies that can do that for me.
1: Yeah, definitely a, a testament to the um, booking and scheduling and programming capabilities of the Trilon to have found these two movies, thought them close enough in related nature to like be fun back to back, and they and they really were. I uh, my only regret, I guess we've been tweeting a little bit a bit about it. These my only regret is that we're not putting it out earlier so that people can uh go check these out but again they're widely
2: available cult classic type movies that you can check out um
1: you know give them a watch
2: uh, don't don't you're... watch adventures in babysitting on disney plus um i did like oh, spot yeah. check that and just yeah they they censor the shit out of it not just the the Warriors scene but um i mean maybe I, I did read i didn't actually watch the scenes where they call thor a homo i think they censor that which yeah potentially for the best um yeah. but yeah try and Try and try and find you know if you have access to a, a thirty five millimeter um, projector, uh, maybe maybe go after these reels. So you can watch. <laughs> maybe it. talk to John
1: Moret at the Trilon about getting those back Who in do you the think city. Had these prints by the way. Do you think it was Keith Coogan? <laughs> do,
0: you, do you think that the, the Coogan Estate had both of these if, films? If the
1: Coogan Estate had both of them, I think they'd be in nicer condition. Unless he like resents them and wanted to beat the shit because there's some real roughness. He watches them weekly.
0: Too. Yeah, he, that's did they're, just they're so worn out.
1: <laughs> do, you, do you think also do you think john knew about the the coogan connection if you will oh yeah uh, I, I don't i don't think anything can get by i mean if it was john to have programmed these nothing gets by that guy that's true i am uh okay well that uh ends our conversations about these two movies check them out if you can and if you can't check the trilons website for more scheduling and other cool movies playing this year i have Links in the show notes to all of the programs that have been announced. Um, You should get tickets. You should uh, go there. Maybe you'll see us there. But for right now, we have one more segment to our show, and Harry helps introduce it.
0: Yes. Thank you, Jason. It is the
2: segment we like to call... (gasps) Cody's Cody's. Noties. Wow. Thank you, gentlemen, for that bewildering introduction. Um, As you can tell from our discussions... uh, I throw out a lot of a random shit that I found on IMDb. Uh, I was poking around IMDb a considerable amount, uh, and I do that whenever. I, I'm i not quite sure what direction to to take the noties in. And as I was scrolling around, um, I, I remembered a section that I, I don't think we've spent much time on or, or referred to during uh, previous uh, previous discussions, previous episodes, Uh, And that's the user review section of the Internet Movie Database. And so without further ado, this is under review, colon, Applegate or Shoe. If I said that with a certain cadence, the rhyming scheme would have come out uh, a little bit better. But um, yeah, so that's. And so without further ado, this is under review, Applegate or Shoe. I really liked that.
1: That was incredible.
2: (laughs) Thank you, uh, and that's the bit. No, uh, no, we'll keep going. Um, so, the, here's the overview. I, uh, I combed the overview the IMDb of U- under review Applegate and Shoe. Da, 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 I invented jazz. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, I have uh, I've, uh, I've combed the IMDb user review sections for each movie. Uh, I'm going to stop that and picked out uh, some review titles that struck me for one reason or another. Uh, and what I'm going to do is alternate between the two of you. One at a time. I'll read a title. You'll make the determination of whether the review was written for "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead," aka Applegate, oh, as in Christina Applegate, uh, or if it uh, was written for "Adventures in Babysitting," aka Shoe, as in Elizabeth Shoe, um, the two stars of these movies. Um, it's a you know, it's like it's like we're we're taking the ACT. You got a 50-50 guess the it's just it's like having a cardigan welsh corgi in your segment you know it's a high floor <laughs> situation um or, or so so we'll hope uh so if you'll you know as is the case with most things we do here if you're correct you'll get a point and the person with the most points at the end will win as always trivia mafia rules apply here so use your noodles not your googles or your imdbs if you have those um so with that i say we go ahead and and jump in we're going to start with harry each of you are going to get five uh review titles remember just the titles um so flip-flop back and forth so starting with harry this is the first review title a little bit of everything while lacking any true originality is that applegate or shoe or you can give the movie titles I'm, i'm flexible
0: i mean i think that it would better characterize our review of don't tell mom the babysitter's dead so i'm gonna go with that
2: one Harry's gonna roll with don't tell mom the babysitter's dead and that is indeed the case uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead so that is a point for Harry we don't have Aaron here to provide like a, a third set of um, oh
1: like, wait but I have counter, a whole or, like, a soundboard why am I not here? using this soundboard <laughs> uh uh Harry you got, you got the soundboard too.
2: <laughs> thank you Ah. Uh, perfect nine more to go folks if you enjoyed those those uh mp3 sound clips just you wait (laughs) not to not to build that up too much jason uh but this is your first review title applegate or shoe not quite an oscar nominee oh
1: god (laughs) oh uh i i gotta cover
2: the spread i'm gonna go shoe jason is gonna go with shoe and the shoe is indeed on the right foot uh that is a point for Jason, man, I just thought about that now I can't use that for any of these uh, again <laughs> also, hey, fuck you reviewer, yeah, for like, real. What are you- what do you want? She was good in that movie. It, it's like not all the movies. I don't know. That seems well, I'm wildly not, I, misogynistic. But go ahead. To be fair, the reviewer was right. Not quite an Oscar nominee. And again, the review is about the movie. I just Applegate and shoe for because. I mean, oh yeah, you're got, right. Yep, 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 These actresses have fun last names that are, are cool to say. Um, and you know, has the aforementioned rhymes. I think it's, that's it's, true. The whole thing. Oh, uh, pee poo. <laughs> oh boy. Um. For Harry's second title, here's what I've got. I get goosebumps every time I watch. Is that Applegate or Shoe? Man, <laughs> I guess I'm gonna do Adventures in Babysitting. Shoe. Harry's gonna roll with Shoe. Shoe is correct. Uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah. Goosebumps. borrowing
0: cr- movie. <laughs> Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs>
2: Listen, I get goosebumps every time I watch. I just and there's a period in that title. I didn't say period, but there was a period there. Wow. So that was definitive. Makes you think. Um, Jason, it is your turn to make the determination. The classic determination if you're just joining us of of Applegator shoe with these IMDb user review titles. Uh Jason, here is your title. Amusing film from a more innocent age.
1: Ooh. Ooh, wow!
2: I'm gonna go Applegate. Jason is gonna roll with Applegate, and listen that uh, that gate is open today, folks. Open for business. That is a point for Jason. You get it, got it correct. I'm I'm trying my best here. Um, and I <laughs> <laughs> no, I I feel really good about this so
1: far, Cody. You should know you're doing the right
2: thing. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> okay, well, hey, everybody is. We're we're a four for four. Um, and if you divide that in two, you know, one for each person, uh, that results in a, a two for two. Uh, everybody's got full points so far. So the pressure is on to keep this up. Can we keep it going for for six more no. of these? Uh, the math is not on your side, but hey, weirder <laughs> things have happened. Um, Harry, your third title is as follows: "Cheers up a Sunday afternoon marvelously!" Exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Did you write this review, Cody? <laughs> that sounds like exactly what? your review. Uh, I'll go with it. Uh, "Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead." Harry's rolling with "Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead." R.I.P. Um, in that, that is a point for Harry because that oh. followed the, the narrative of the movie.
1: <laughs> i'm gonna keep you
2: guessing uh um, yeah I guess. wait
1: did he get a point or didn't he 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 got a point okay <laughs>
0: Yeah. So you, you were correct ringing the bell um see because now i know that that contemporary reviewers received adventures in babysitting is a pulse pounding thriller <laughs> masterpiece
1: of michael Mann <laughs> proportions <laughs>
2: oh that was james cameron but you get it um james all right cameron. jason uh, your, your third title. Uh, again, every it, we're we're five for five so far. Harry with three points, Jason with two. I don't need to have the um the declarations of oh, no, somebody's still waiting to get points on the board. Um, it is also still very much anybody's game. Hey, uh, real quick uh,
0: before the moment passes, Cody, I'm sorry. Can I make a subversive joke, real quick? For please. The podcast? All right, uh, James Cameron or Michael Bay. What's the difference? Oh, all
1: right. done. ding, ding, we can move ding, on.
2: ding. We all win. Um, Jason, your third title is as follows I feel ill. <laughs> Applegate or shoe? Roger <laughs> Ebert has done it again. <laughs>
1: Simbi oh, the Movie Chad. There is no right, and no, I won't accept. Any demerits or any points for this? Because there's no right or wrong answer. Both of these are accurately and very ingenuinely <laughs> described as feeling <laughs> ill. Um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Applegate.
2: Uh, drum roll. Jason is rolling with Applegate. And in the first swing of the miss of the day, uh, mm. it, it is indeed adventures in babysitting that made this Goddammit. poor TV reviewer feel ill. Yeah.
0: Because the contemporary reviewers were screaming, crying, throwing up because of what a pulse-like, pounding, absolutely like building, leveling thriller the Adventures in Babysitting was. Right.
2: Uh, I, I didn't read any of these reviews. I I purposely kept context out of it. I typically listen. I'm. i They don't call me contextual Cody for nothing. Uh, but this time around, I was like, I cannot know the backstory of these titles.
0: Yeah, that was actually a social worker from Chicago uh, who wrote that review. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she clutched, still clutching her pearls to these day. to this day um all right we're going back to harry uh we've got two more a piece two titles uh a piece uh harry's got three points jason's got two each of these fine gentlemen has two more titles to discern uh, uh the the epic struggle in applegate or shoe um that we're all trying to fight in our own ways each and every day harry here is the title not quite the cult uh, let me t- take that again. Not quite the cult item often implied more a diverting curio.
0: Ooh, that's a good one, Cody, because this could really be either of them. I feel, I think don't tell mom, the babysitter's dead has more cult status. So I, so, I, I guess I'll go
2: with that one. Are uh, you going with don't tell mom, the babysitter's yes, dead? applegate. Okay. Gotcha. Um, here he's rolling with applegates. The shoe is in fact on the other foot. No! this time um I mean, i'm glad you were able to translate that one yep so no point for that one it was indeed for adventures and babies <laughs> i'm sorry it always plays two, and i don't know why it's funny it's it, yeah i don't know it is kind of funny hey um, on gla- jason real quick what was that movie we
0: did a few weeks ago with finn i can't remember the name of that one could you uh remind me
2: oh yeah how did that, Diabolique. that? Diabolique. Diabolique. <laughs> That's Happy <right. laughs> Uh well, hopefully you don't think this uh, this next title, day, Jason, is too diabolical. Um, uh, good soup, everyone. Uh, so here's the title. The director of this film is stalking me. Applegate <laughs> or shoe? <laughs>
1: oh, uh, uh, Chris Columbus made a Harry Potter movie, and I feel poorly about Harry Potter these days, so I'm gonna say it was Adventures in Babysitting.
2: Jason is rolling with adventures and babysitting, and it sounds like this reviewer was also on an adventure whenever the director of the movie was stalking them. Uh, that Just is a point for Jason. Say, yes. uh, listen,
1: <laughs> read between the lines. There's nothing but between tone. lines. You got
2: to be pretty quick in this That's game. Like I guess sixty point separation between fucking lines. You didn't do that to elongate your essays. That's what I'm doing. I'm increasing the <laughs> font size of my punctuation marks. <laughs> Again. <sighs> okay. So can, uh, okay. You,
1: can you tell me what, uh, what the point to what's the scoreboard, I guess? One word, scoreboard. I
2: I would love to tell you how the scoreboard looks. Thank you for asking, Jason. Uh, We're currently tied up three apiece. Each each uh, gentleman contestant has missed one. Uh, and each contestant has- It all comes down to this. It does. One more title apiece. Uh, this is still very much anybody's game, Harriet. Here is your title, Hole. <laughs> sorry, H-O-L-E. <laughs> uh That review. That review title again is Hole.
0: Did you? I, sorry, Cody. Did you accidentally go to Holes, the Shia LaBeouf film?
1: Uh, <laughs> I double checked. I double checked, and well, I did not. Actually, um, went to Woman this- in the Dunes by accident. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very good woman in the dude's <laughs> review. To be
0: fair,
2: uh, okay. So here's my so, thought process. Th- th- sorry, it'd be it'd be some shithead like Letterbox user review that has ten thousand likes. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly
0: right. It would, yeah, whole, <laughs> well, Uh Okay, um, whole. I'm thinking that they meant w h o l e, and I they were abbreviating abbreviating it for wholesome. Uh, I think that Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead is the more wholesome of the two films, at least as it was received, again, by contemporary reviewers. I'm going to go with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead,
2: Applegate, final answer, Cody. Harry did the wrong math, but came out to the correct answer. Uh, it is indeed Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. This is this is the one review that I got a glimpse of and uh, I, because the review was like, one or two sentences long and didn't have a spoiler tag. And I was like, okay, hold on timeout. Hold on. What are they talking about? Hold on. Um, I, I believe they were, t- the, the thing that was funny to them was when, um, they like buried the, the babysitter in a hole in the ground. I don't know if they were <laughs> referring to like the promotional art, like the poster, but they were like, Oh yeah, that's funny. And I can't remember what the start rating well, is. So-
1: IMDB is like, it, it's worse than YouTube comments. <laughs> I just don't understand this place. What the fuck?
2: yeah i like the part with the hole um but
0: i the the thing that bothers me about that is how else do you bury somebody that seems like just the normal way to bury somebody what is used, what is inherently funny about IMDb that imdb
1: user is used to traditional tibetan sky burials in which you sure. just let the body yeah. lay while while buzzards right. eat it's flesh her,
0: her her soul will never enter the afterlife but will remain <laughs> trapped
2: here on this mortal coil Oh boy, been there, um, and I've also been at. Uh, well, we all have been to the end of this game. We're at our, our final title. Oh god! Uh, and it goes to Jason. Jason, here's the t- if you if you get this determination correct, then you will tie with Harry for a, a share of the you know the championship trophy for this week's game. That I'll mail out to each of you. I'll I'll um, I, I, I'll figure out how to cut cut it in half. Um, but otherwise, if you get it wrong, Harry takes sole lead uh, and sole victory of this game. Holy- Here is the title as it was written on the internet movie database better than Prozac. (laughs) Okay. So here's
1: what I'm thinking. I have my, I have like, I I think I, I think I know what I want to guess, but do I want to guess in my own best interest? Because then I'm tying it up and Harry and I have another tie after last week's uh, famous three-way tie.
2: And I, I do not have a tiebreaker. So we don't even have the option of not doing it because I don't have one. Okay. Can you read it to me once more? Yeah, of course. Uh, that is... <clears throat> Let me make sure I'm in good voice. <clears throat> Better than Prozac. Um,
1: I am going to say, don't tell mom the babysitter's, the babysitter's dead. Because that has more like, right at the end, it's whoop. She's Everything's going to be okay. Everybody's happy. But at Sorry, the end,
2: I'm saying don't tell It has some what? Whoop. It has some what at the end? Some okay, whoop. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's Very got good. some... Ah, right. So right. I have guessed. The, the oh, antinom of whoop. Just uh, one. <laughs> Jason says, uh, don't tell mom the babysitting, uh, babysitter's dead, a.k.a. Applegate. The correct answer is adventures in babysitting, uh, sh- a.k.a. shoot. Uh, to, to be
0: fair, I would have also guessed don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I appreciate and it. And as, as the have, podcast
0: Prozac expert, I have to say that's apocryphal. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Harry, for falling on somebody else's uh, sword this time.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, f- final look at the scoreboard. Uh, a, a tight, you know, a, a well-fought battle. Honestly, the fact that y'all got more than half of them right. Honestly, good. I impressed uh, myself, yeah. Yeah, 4-3 four, yeah, four victory for, for Harry. <laughs> that's all yeah. I got. Good, that's uh, All I got, good luck, babysitter.
1: Good luck, babysitter, and good night, listener. Thank you very much. Another episode of Try Love about the double bill on uh, babysitting adventures, Uh, catch these movies wherever they are, except for Disney plus, because it's kind of a dumb, um, uh, super censored, very twisted version of this movie that I think probably would have lost some of its impact if they didn't get to say fuck as much. Uh, But uh, you can check out the Trilons programming at Trilon.org for other cool movies maybe ones that uh, scratch this same itch maybe ones that'll introduce you to something completely new but you'll probably see us there uh, one week or another so get in touch at try Love podcast on Twitter or uh, go to the Trilon cinemas at Trilon cinema you can find me my name is Jason Daphnis I'm on Twitter at Nintendoofus.
2: that he is uh, go follow Harry and Jason on Twitter um, one of the titles when I was sort of whittling them down for for um, for the segment uh <laughs> One of them that I, I loved but I, I cast out because it would have been too obvious. Um the title went something like The Right Way to Sit on a Baby. Um and, and like there were a few of those where it's like very clearly like pointing to a babysitter and like only one of these quote-unquote babysitters is actually, like, doing any babysitting in their movies. So it's like, man, I would love to keep this one in, but just, like, there's... Uh, I, I felt like I couldn't split the hairs, you know, as finally get get it to be one of those. Like, this could be either of them. Um, so, that just, if you've made it this far, that is a special bonus feature um, that will not be released um, on our upcoming Criterion box set of, of this season of Tri Love. Um, coming soon to the Tri Love Shop. I've been Cody Narvison. If you want, you can follow me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH.
0: And I've been a talking penis. You can find me on Twitter at shiitakeharry.
2: You still should have called. I sat and I waited. I went ahead and I fed the kids. I worked all day on that casserole. You haven't even said how nice the house looks. You're off at the office all day doing interesting office things. I'm stuck here cooking and cleaning and mowing the lawn, helping Melissa with her fastball, being a role model for Zach, spending quality time with Walter, and doing your party shit. You've got the car and you don't even take me anywhere anymore. And when was the last time we went out to dinner together, huh? You know what? I'm sick and tired of not being appreciated. Eat shit. And it's so hard. It's so hard. Babysitting these guys. She got the babysitting blue. Baby, baby, baby babysitting blue. I've
0: got the
1: your feet we're walking in someone else's shoes
2: some guys are out to get us and Brenda's probably dead we ain't got a nickel and they should be in bed and you gotta look. out of luck out of luck
0: watching these guys I've got the
2: baby sitting blues baby baby Someone else is
1: shoes shoe. Some guys out to get him, And the girls probably dead.
2: She ain't got a nipple. And we should be
1: back You out of love Out of love Watching these
2: oh, guys yeah. That's nice. I've got
0: Nobody leave this place without singing the blues.